0: Welcome to Talking Tax, a Bloomberg Tax podcast. In this series, we're talking all about tax reform, the newly enacted changes that you should be aware of, and the implications for both practitioners and taxpayers. I'm your host, Allison Verspril, a reporter at Bloomberg Tax. Today, I'm joined by Michael Daddio, a principal in the New Haven, Connecticut office of Markham LLP, who specializes in federal and state taxation. Michael is going to walk us through some of the corporate and pass-through changes of the new tax law. Uh, So, Michael, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today.
1: Uh, Thank you for having us.
0: So, under the new tax law, we're seeing that the corporate rate dropped from 35% to 21%. On the pass-through side, those types of entities got a 20% deduction on the business income that their owners earn, which is then taxed at the individual rate. Uh, So that means for high-earning pass-through owners paying the top 37% individual rate, uh, that comes down to a tax rate of about 29.6% after accounting for the deduction. So, Michael, here's my question um, for you. You know, we've been hearing lawmakers suggest that the lower corporate rate may cause pass-through entities to convert to C corporations to take advantage of that 21% rate. Uh are you envisioning a mass conversion of S corporations and other pass through entities um to C corporations because of these changes? Uh
1: actually not and uh, there are a couple of reasons. Uh, you know we get lots of calls from clients uh, asking about the selection and choice of entity and whether uh they should be moving their pass through entities to C corporations. And unfortunately, there's no cookie-cutter analysis that will apply to all businesses. So you really have to look at your individual uh, situation to see which one, uh, which choice is going to be better. Now, for example, you just you know did an analysis based on 37%, but not all businesses are going to have their owners taxed at 37%. Because thirty seven percent comes in for a business well for an individual who's going to have taxable income and a joint return of six hundred thousand dollars or more, and a single person five hundred thousand or more. So not everybody's going to be in a thirty seven percent. And you might be looking at a business that has multiple partners, and some of them may be in a twenty five percent bracket, some of them may be in a thirty five percent bracket. So you you need to see where uh, each person will likely end up being on the tax rate schedule to see the comparison to the 21% corporate rate. So it, it is somewhat uh, false to look at just the 29.6% against 21% because of the uh, multiple uh, brackets that might apply in a particular business. Secondly, you know corporations pay 21% tax on their income under the new law, so it leaves them with essentially ignoring state taxes, 79% of their income left to invest, but now the money is in the corporation, and if you want to pull the money as an owner out of the corporation, there's a second level of tax, and that'll either be generally a qualified dividend or a long-term capital gain, which is going to be uh, eligible for a 15% maximum tax rate or 20%, uh, depending if you're a high earner, and it will probably, uh, in many cases, also be subject to 3.8% net investment income tax. So when you look at the combination of the corporate-level tax plus the tax to get the funds out of the corporation, uh, that will generally cause, at each tax bracket level, the total cost of a C-corporation be more expensive in, from a tax perspective than a pass through entity. Now, if you're in the type of business where you don't you're not going to pull the cash out of the C corporation, so you're in construction that needs, you know, strong bonding capacity or a your manufacturer, you're going to keep the money in the uh, company to acquire manufacturing equipment, uh you will get greater cash flow through the C corporation and you're deferring that second tax for some point down line. And you have to consider whether that deferral is is the value of that deferral in terms of growing the business, the value of the business, et cetera, is worth the potential you know, higher tax overall. And if you defer it long enough, let's say until uh, you pass away and you get a stepped up basis in the stock, you may not have to pay the second tax. But that's you know it could be a long uh, time uh, down the line. Uh, that may make it worth the C-corporation. So it's not clear that C-corporations are going to be the entity of choice. And and one final consideration, and this has always been the case with respect to C-corporations versus pass-through entities, it's what I, I refer to as the big bang, because if you want to sell your business at some point, and you need to de- develop what your exit strategy is going to be, because, again, if a C corporation is going to sell its assets, and most uh, purchasers want to acquire the assets of a company in order to get tax benefits, as opposed to acquiring the equity of a, of a corporation, uh, there will be, again, that double level of tax, because any any gain including for the goodwill of the company will be subject to tax at 21% and then on the liquidation of the assets to the shareholders there will be that second level of tax uh in a, in a pass through you might only be subject to a single level of tax at 20% or 15% you know depending upon what uh preferential rate applies to long term capital gains or qualified dividends so you you have to look at all these Things, what's going to be happening with your business? How you're going to use money that you might keep in the corporation? Or, you know, are you going to be taking the money out of the corporation on the annual basis to determine, you know, what is the best uh, selection for you? You know, there's a lot of I know there's a lot of stuff there, but all factors you have to consider.
0: Right. So it sounds like there are a lot of underlying issues that we should be considering here, other than just the top rates. And so the other question I wanted to get at is when you have these two pretty different systems of taxation between passers and C-corporations, I'm wondering, are you seeing any unintended consequences of the new tax law, maybe things that the drafters had not considered when they were putting these provisions together?
1: Well, one of the things that we are considering and looking at for our clients, uh not only is this issue of the choice between uh, C corporations and pass-throughs, but now also the consideration of the selection of the type of pass-through entity, uh, because uh, depending upon whether you are a uh, a partnership, uh, which uh, in a partnership the income is taxed to the individuals' uh, owners, so that's the uh, the pass-through, an S corporation where again the income is taxed to the owners or a sole proprietorship, which could include single-member LLCs and other disregarded entities, you would expect that those three types of entities all being pass-throughs earning the same amount of income should produce the same 20% deduction. But in various scenarios, they don't because of other rules that affect the computation of the 20% deduction. So in certain circumstances, the sole proprietorship may produce the best result, and others, the uh, S-Corporation might produce the best result. And there might be some uh, planning options you have to do with respect to partnerships in order to put yourself in the position to take the maximum 20% deduction. Again, when the bill was going through its uh, various iterations, and uh it started in the house version where it wasn't a 20% deduction it was just a 25% rate they kind of accounted for the difference differences between the different types of entities that got lost in the senate version when it became a uh 20% deduction so so because there are limitations on uh you know can you take the deduction uh, 20% deduction based on the type of business or the amount of income that's earned, and there's a 50 50% W-2 wage limitation. Uh, that will produce different results, and I don't know if that was intended, but that seems to be the result under the uh, the statutory language.
0: Well, could you perhaps elaborate on that? You know, maybe provide an example of where a uh, sole proprietorship might make more sense than say an S corporation.
1: Okay well let's take a, an example where let's let's step back and say well, what is the rule and the rule uh, for the uh, pass through entity is your if you are a uh, uh, a business that is not a specified service business a specified service business generally can't get the 20% deduction unless you are kind of a relatively low uh earner uh but if you're not a a low earner if you Uh, make more than $415,000 on uh, taxable income on a joint return uh, or uh, $205,750 on a single return, if your income is higher than that, and you're not a specified service business, you can take a 20% deduction on your pass-through income. But that 20% deduction can be no greater than 50% of W-2 wages that are paid by the business. And that includes W two wages that can be paid to the owner of the business. So third parties or the owner. There's an alternative limitation which was uh, uh, colloquially uh, referred to as the Corker kickback, which was the 20, which is 25 percent of wages and two and a half percent of the adjusted basis of depreciable property in the business, which significantly helps real estate. Uh, businesses from, uh, for being able to take the, uh, the deduction. But, but focusing in on, let's say, the 50% W-2 wage uh, limitation. If you have a company that makes, let's say, a million dollars worth of income and is a sole proprietorship, and there are no salaries paid to the owners, and there are no salaries paid to third parties because a sole proprietor cannot take a, uh, uh, a a w two wage deduction for amounts that are drawn out by its owner then that million dollars of income there's a twenty percent potential deduction of two hundred thousand, but it's limited by the fact that there are no wages paid and fifty percent of the wages has become zero. the deduction is zero in that case, but if it were a s corporation and the s and the owner drew out three hundred thousand dollars in salaries, then there'd be a seven hundred thousand dollar net pass through of income that would uh, 20% of that would be $140,000 so there's a potential $140,000 deduction and 50% of wages would be 150,000 which is higher so you take the lower of those two numbers you could get in that case $140,000 uh pass through deduction so the S corporation produces a better result than the sole proprietorship even though they might be doing the same thing and earning you know, the same amount of income. And you know, there are other circumstances where the sole proprietorship might be a better result because take the same example, but let's say there are third party wages. So the sole proprietorship has a potential two hundred thousand dollar deduction, but if they pay four hundred thousand dollars in wages to third parties, then they'll get the full two hundred thousand dollar deduction. The same S corporation because they do pay a salary to the owner of three hundred thousand, only gets a deduction of one forty in that case. So uh, there are circumstances where different types of pass-through entities are producing uh, different deductions, and uh, that just just doesn't seem to be a correct result. But that's the way the statute
0: reads. That's interesting. And so when we're talking about some of these issues that can arise that um, maybe were intended or unintended by the drafters, are there any topics or issues? in particular that practitioners and taxpayers are hoping uh, the IRS and Treasury clarify regulations. And, you know, I also know uh, there are a lot of issues still on the table right now that the IRS needs to address, including some of those international provisions. Um, so there's a question of when we might see this pass-through guidance. And so my other question is, what are the implications if there's a delay in getting that direction from the IRS?
1: I, I uh, was at a, uh, a conference. Uh, that was uh, uh they had two speakers from Treasury there, and they were d- discussing uh what kind of the uh, uh relative items and the uh, the ordering of the importance of the issues that uh, treasury is going to address and the first one was the international issues, particularly the deemed repatriation issue because that can affect uh two thousand and seventeen but then they're looking to focus in on the uh, this twenty percent deduction for uh, flow-through entities. So we're expecting that there will be guidance early in this year, but probably not for a couple of months. And there are just a whole host of issues that have to be looked at from the perspective of the service, particularly defining what items are specified service businesses. Because as I mentioned earlier, most specified service businesses are not going to be eligible for this uh, 20% uh, deduction, uh, unless the taxable income of the owner is under three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars on a joint return and one hundred fifty-seven five on a single return, and there's a phase out range of a hundred thousand dollars of income for joint filers and fifty thousand for single filers, where uh, they'll get a portion of the twenty percent, but not all of it. But then once you exceed the four hundred and uh, uh, Fifteen thousand for a uh, joint return, then your specified service business is not going to be able to get the twenty percent deduction, and it's not clear what the definition of these terms are. Uh, I mean, they're basically, specified service businesses are businesses in the field of health, law, accounting, actuarial science, performing arts, consulting, athletics, financial services, brokerage services, a trader business where. Uh, the principal asset of the business is reputation or skill of one or more of employees or owners. And performance of services that consist of investing, investment management, trading, dealing in securities, partnership interest, or commodities. About uh, the first group of those businesses, health through consulting, are cited in another section of the code, so Section 1202, for which the service has never issued regulations and has never defined these terms. And these definitions and terms are also found in a a third section of the code, uh, which is Section 448, for which there is some authority. We just don't know whether the new law is going to take those definitions as being authority for what they are. And, again, we're not services what the extent of financial services means or brokerage services. So it's hard to know whether a specified, whether a particular business is engaged in a specified service business or not, in order to plan and determine whether uh, somebody would be eligible for the 20%. And at this conference that uh, I was at, one of the things that the tre- these Treasury uh, representatives indicated was that they were going to look at the issue of if you have a business that is involved in one of these special, uh, specified service businesses and something else, that being involved in the specified service business might taint the other business. So it's it's unclear exactly, you know, uh, how far uh, the definition will be uh, for a a company so that they will not be able to take advantage of the 20%.
0: Well, it sounds like we have a lot of questions that need to be answered, so we'll have to see uh, how the IRS and Treasury approach those questions in the coming months. Uh, but, Michael, I want to thank you for walking us through some of these issues and, again, for joining us for this discussion
1: today. Again, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, certainly we're we're waiting uh, anxiously to see how the service resolves lots of these issues. And, you know, uh, many of the professional organizations are, uh, you know, uh, going up to Treasury and also to uh, capital to try to resolve some of these issues. And you know, maybe some of them get addressed in technical corrections, There are a lot of technical corrections that need to be made under the bill, but that's probably going to be a lengthy process as well.
0: Join us next time as we continue to talk with tax professionals about the implications of the biggest change to our tax code since 1986. Again, I'm your host, Alison Braspril, and this has been Talking Tax.